Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio, and this is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher, tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Matt. What's up, guys? I want to uh, remind you guys as we get into this that uh, we, we would like your questions. Um, we've, we've talked about them a couple times ago, I think, with Pastor Jeff, um, some stuff that people had asked. And really want that to get, be a, com- a component of cold pizza where we can say, hey, what leftover crust do you have? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Like last night, I I left like four crusts after we were watching the Packers because mm-hmm. It was good pizza, but the crust was not was not great. Yeah, I agree. I so, agree. yeah, if I do not eat mine either. If you got stuff that you guys want us to talk about, send it to Jeff, and uh, and we'll get it on the air. Um, so yeah, with that, uh, this week's t- uh, title for the sermon was something akin to "Faith Looks Like," because the one in the email is a lot longer. Uh, but that's what I wrote down: "Faith Looks Like." And the main but, but but I worked forever on that title, so and you're going to shame me like that. We know. Yeah, you do it like as you're walking out the building. Um, <laughs> faith looks like faith in conquering. Uh, it looks like faith in suffering. And then realizing that commendation comes only through faith. Now, is a, it was a good sermon and a, a great close to, to this chapter. And I appreciate your thing at the beginning of saying, like, he's not diving into all this. So we need not dive into all this. Yeah, and, and I think we could have. Sure. We could have went back and, I mean, we could have spent 10 weeks there. But, um, and, and I think there would have been plenty of justification to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't. And I think we should feel the freedom to not. So, well, I mean, and I the reality it, of reading our Bibles, too, that when they rapid fire, they're doing it to let you feel the weight. Yeah, yeah. They will, uh, t- two comments there. You know, we did dive in a little deeper, like in the rest of 11. Yeah. You know, namely, he would give two verses for Moses or two verses for Abraham or Noah or whatever, and then we would dive back. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he clearly lingers on that name for at least a moment. And the second thought I have is sometimes, like, when I read publicly as, a like, a rhetorical or a, a rhetoric skill, I will drop my emphasis and I will change my speed uh, in order to place emphasis on certain things mm-hmm. without like just skipping over things, which is fine too. But uh, and that's that's basically what he's doing here. He he picks up his pace. He does a boom, 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 boom. Because I just I just want you to see that this big overarching picture. So I think if you were to preach ten through, I'm sorry, thirty through forty, and not hit the big points like I did on Sunday, then I'm not going to say you're unfaithfully preaching those verses because you might just get into more of the weeds. Mm-hmm. But if you preach those verses and you don't hit the big, you know, uh, strokes, if you will, then I think you miss what he was going after. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yesterday you were talking about uh, one thing that you left on the cutting room floor for us. Uh, you want to go ahead and tackle that real quick? Oh, the one about uh, women receiving back the dead by resurrection. Yeah, it's almost October. So, so there's some like debate even on who these are talking about, and 
Uh, as one commentator said, the statement most likely refers to the widow of Zarephath, whose son God raised through Elijah in 1 Kings 17, 17-24, and to the son of the Shunammite woman, whom Elisha raised in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 18-37. through 37. Now, Elisha and Elisha are certainly very important Old Testament prophets. Um, but I think if we're not careful and we get caught up on like, well, who is it and exactly what's going on here, we miss the fact that what's happening is something that was good is being compared to something that's better. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the point. So yeah. there's there's a resurrection of these uh, that these women received back that is good. But it's pointing ultimately to a better resurrection, which is Jesus, the firstborn um, of the new race. So that's what you've got to pick up there, um, that sometimes, to put this now back into the context and the way I framed it for the sermon, is that sometimes faith in conquering looks like uh, overcoming death, right? It looks like Lazarus being raised from the grave. It looks like these coming back and being resurrected. Um, Now, ultimately, though, all of that success points forward to Christ, um, uh, of which we only get to partake in if we are commended for faith. Yeah. So there you go. That's all I wanted to to say. (laughs) And I probably could have said that on Sunday, um, but, you know. Well, I think that's a good one for an example of— where we kind of feel feel out that line of like, yeah, you could have left it on on Sunday, but was it really driving the main point? No. Does it change everything? No. It could yeah. go in or out as far as like ability, but th- when we're trying to really trim and make it about something, that's, a, that's what makes preaching a little special uh, beyond the other components of it is that it's really a package that we're trying to put together. Yeah, it was, you know, honestly, it was one of those, if I'd have thought about explaining it is clearly here, um, as I just did, I might have left it in. And one of the the main, really the main or the only reason that I decided to bring it into this context was because I, um, well, I didn't want to neglect it. I didn't want to skip over it. I, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Um, so I'm going to make sure I teach on it. But it was more of, at the moment, I just could not figure out a way that I could fit in there well, uh, at least retor- uh, in, in, in teaching yeah. without having to, and sometimes I do this, but without having to say, all right, pause, <laughs> let's address this right here. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it does even just reading it on the surface level to me, it feels a little out of place. It seems positive and in place in that sense. Um, but a little different than the other things that happen. So. There you go. Yeah, I when I, when I'm reading that too, I'm I'm leaning into not just the uh, this there's something better coming, but like, hey, let's not lose the fact that these people were dead, they're alive again. Yeah, like these phenomenal things that shouldn't happen otherwise. These great conquests, these great powers, this conquest over death, right? Yeah. So it, it's that that heightening and building aspect is, is wrapped up in that. Yeah. That's good. Um, getting into some more of the actual kind of development questions. Uh, one of the things that you were talking about was this idea of not getting the promise in our lifetime. So specifically speaking of like Abraham 
and them uh they they didn't get to see the fulfillment of the promise yet they were still faithful they still acted in faith they still were doing their faith in suffering even if they didn't get to see it and that commendation that they received even though they never got the full promise was by faith right mm-hmm so I wrote down when you do that, that not getting the promise in our lifetime should help us see and treasure being on God's team, his people. I think what the the sense that I get, even in looking at these people individually, I like this pattern of walking through all these people together because it's like looking through our Hall of Fame and being like, oh, wow, how awesome it is that they're on our team. Well, yeah. Oh, wait, that we're on their team. And it it breaks us away from some of that individualistic aspect. Because we're certainly responsible personally, right? Yeah. But the overarching feel, and like the uh, particularly the Old Testament, is being God's people, being of the nation of Israel, being a part of the whole is where you see the emphasis. Mm-hmm. And and I, I like that aspect of like, yeah, you didn't get the promise. You might be suffering, but what are you and your suffering doing for the team? Yeah. And that just appeals a lot to me coming from team sports. But I really think it kind of opens it up because you have that quote. Um, I don't remember who it was, but a tiny spark of light led them to heaven. But now the sun of righteousness shines on us. And so what excuse shall we offer if we still cling to the earth? And so yeah. that whole we've seen the promise. Yeah. Yeah. It was John Calvin. Okay. Yeah. Said that. Um, yeah. I think. Well, and not. Um, well, I would just say that that right there is good. Uh, some good exegesis. Thanks. <laughs> I've I've been told that you're not that good at exegesis. You know, I have my days, I guess. <laughs> By the master exegetical wizard himself, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so <laughs> there's that. Um, but in in the context, in the very next section in chapter twelve, verses one, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. And and he's talking about he's talking about running this race. Well, in the context here, without preaching Sunday sermon, uh, they I, I, he I think he clearly would have in mind here a foot race, mm-hmm. and not just a sprint, but a marathon. Mm-hmm. And those in the grandstand cheering you on are those whose lives scream faith. Yeah. And so he's saying for endurance, mm-hmm. you're going to hear the. Uh, the incredible blessing of modeled faith, mm-hmm. like you're going to hear of that. You hear of their stories. Yeah. You hear their cheers on, and then you're going to persevere from the uh, looking with sight, right, by, by faith to the model of our faith, the mm-hmm. perfecter of our faith, the, uh, the champion of our faith, which is Jesus. So there's very much, even though there's a bunch of runners on the on the course, there is this interaction between the people in the stands mm-hmm. and the one who's running. Yeah. And and if and I know for a lot of people they don't like they don't understand that interaction unless you've been in some sort of sport like that. Mm-hmm. But like I remember uh, Pastor Jeff talking recently about. You know, when you're coming across the finish line of a marathon and you yeah. and you hear the crowd is cheering you on, mm-hmm. um, you know, there there's this unique um, connection that happens between those people. And it, may, it may only last for a moment, 
um, you know, because that race is about over and they're hearing it and it's about over. But no, no, in that, so you, you say that, but here's the difference between me and him. I don't know what that feels like because they're they're ready to tear it down. They're just waiting for me to cross the finish line. Like, yeah, when I do these, you know, five Ks, not even half marathons, they're like, you know, looking at their watch. They're like, well, we could take the we could take the big thing down now, but I might crush that poor fellow. It's, it's like going to Wendy's it. 30 minutes before closing they're like can, can we go ahead and shut down the grill yeah for real <laughs> yeah right. so the crowds yes. are gone so you know that's why they talk about um at least in nfl home team advantage mm -hmm. it's a real thing particularly in um uh, stadiums that are enclosed because the volume levels i mean maybe with the exception of like uh, seattle but the the volume level is so much greater in those enclosed arenas. Another funny story. I got in trouble in college. Well, I was in marching band, and uh, we were up in the stands during the game, and it's like third down and short. And I'm standing and cheering, and my my band director wants the whole band like seated so that we look orderly and clean and crisp, right? And I'm like, no, it's third and short. Like, what are we here for? In his mind, we're here for the band, right? <laughs> so i i got a fine secondary and i had to go talk to him after the fact but yeah so man yeah look at that well the, to finish out that example or metaphor here they it it plays to the advantage of the home team mm -hmm. when the other uh quarterback and, and they're in the huddle or whatever and they can't hear anything or you see quarterbacks i mean that, that grab their heads while they're trying to hear the head coach talk and they and they're trying to muffle yeah. the, the noise and they can't hear what plays being called from the head coach or, or from the offensive coordinator or mm -hmm. whatever and they can't it's, it's chaotic yeah, linemen can't hear the snap count yeah yeah so uh that that's very much this it's very much a team sport like the mm -hmm. lord has has created us as as corporate beings and and i mean Modern evangelicalism, most churches in the West in our context, have an absolute terrible understanding of the corporate reality of God's people, uh, and they don't even realize it. In several ways. Yeah, it's just, yeah, that's a king's But don't get so, me started. So, yeah, thank you for hitting on that. that that's, that's the impression that I get. I look at the Old Testament, especially as we're teaching through it in survey. It's it's all corporate oriented. Mm -hmm. It's not to, to not to diminish the individuality, but to help raise up appropriately the corporate component. So yeah, uh, probably my favorite thing I think on Sunday um, was the aspect. Uh, let me see, where did you? It was in the last one. Commendation comes only through faith. You said that your joy is a superior means of grace. Uh, that that's that's huge. And then I I noticed in uh, I am dying the song that we did uh, after the sermon. In verse 3, it it's tackling that. It says this, mm -hmm. There are depths of love that I cannot know, just a measure of your grace. There are heights of joy that I yet may reach till, until, right? Mm -hmm. So from, from now till then, till I see you face to face. And so this joy that comes in suffering, that joy that we have is a superior means of grace compared to what those before us knew. Yeah. that that's That's so helpful in framing out what we're supposed to be looking at with faith. Yeah, I, having joy uh, both in conquering and in suffering is uh, is a mark or a, a true mark of someone who has all that they need in Christ. Mm -hmm. And 
they can see. And here's the key thing, because I think this is what happens with Jesus in the next few verses, is he can see on the other side. So for the joy set before him, Mm -hmm. like that wasn't, it's not the joy of pain set before him. He's not like a runner saying, I just love feeling the pain, mm-hmm. but he, he loves what's going to be accomplished on the other side. Yeah. And so for the joy set before him, that's all he needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, uh, it, it was funny. I was a little off the cuff, but I made a couple comments on Sunday, especially around the Jericho thing. Um, that uh, s- someone was slandering me recently and said that, uh, well, I bet he doesn't know how to fight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I'm in a sermon and I say, you know, they're marching around the mm-hmm. the thing, and I bet you they're hurling insults at them, like I bet they don't know how to fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I don't have nothing to prove on knowing how to fight, especially to this particular person. <laughs> Like, I, I just genuinely don't care. But what am I doing in that? I'm, man, I'm just having fun. Yeah. Why? Because I am joyful and I have everything that I need. Well, because like, you remember back when you crossed the river, there stood the angel of the Lord ready for battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, ex- that's exactly right. And, and I know what he's promised. Mm-hmm. So I, I, don't, I don't have to get, sh- uh, you know, shooken up yeah. by that. I don't have to get, you know, like, <laughs> whatever. I don't, I don't got to prove. But my point, my, my main point is, is like, I I want like I just want people to know like you can be joyful in the midst of that suffering. Yeah. Um a lot and, of your resiliency comes from that. Well, absolutely. For mm-hmm. the joy set before the Lord. What what was it? He he knew the other side and what was going to happen. Yeah. And so he despised the shame. Mm-hmm. He endured the cross. Okay. Good. Yep. Like praise God. And you and I can do that too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also a lot of fun when you learn how to be joyful in the midst of <laughs> things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, especially, you know, the particular person that, that said these comments, you know, uh, just. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. don't know what I'm talking about, those who are listening, then don't worry about it. Well, it's just your run of the mill. Just, just let it go. Slander. Monday morning quarterbacking. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, one thing I, that kind of leads from that is uh, to kind of wrap us up is as we look forward to chapter 12, we're sort of shifting uh, focus away from how much we've been harping on faith, right? Yeah, well, and we're shifting from indicatives to imperatives. Mm-hmm. That's that's the primary shift here in verse 1. So can you, without preaching this Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> no. What are some words of caution for us in forgetting what we're starting with as we look to all the doing? So the, how can we be more settled in our being this yeah. week as we think about it before we head into our doing? Man, Especially when you look at like verse 3, right? Point, He's yeah. the founder and perfecter of this faith. Yeah. Point 3 of this, of this uh, yesterday's sermon. Mm-hmm. There it is. Like that... That is his exclamation point. It is whether, uh, so so faith is believing what God has said that necessarily results in action. Mm -hmm. The combination thereof will lead to all sorts of outcomes. Don't let the outcome judge your faithfulness. 
let the author and perfecter of your faith judge your faithfulness. Because mm-hmm. sometimes the outcome will be preferable, and sometimes it'll be not so preferable. But what should be preferable above all is that your faith was modeled after the author and perfecter of your faith. Yeah. At the end of the day, you will be commended upon one thing and one thing only. It'll be your faith. Mm-hmm. Period. So, as you get into the imperatives, you cannot forget that. And as goes our preaching as normal, I'm not going to rehash all of chapter 11 mm-hmm. every step of the way through 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. Going back to, to your sermon on building the house, mm-hmm. like that, that chapter 11 was a rehash of the foundation. Mm-hmm. The, the faith, right? All right. So yes. I may not rehash all of that. It doesn't mean I've left it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's not important. Yeah, just look under your feet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we're on the first floor, the second floor. That's cool. Don't forget, there's a foundation underneath. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. Don't forget that. Yeah. And I'll try. Our preachers will try to... Uh, remind of us of those things. Mm. But the thing is, is if I've got 55 minutes to preach and I spend 45 minutes of it reminding you of old material, mm-hmm. right? Then how are we ever going to move on to maturity in Christ? Yeah. We're not. And so that's where most churches are. They just rehab. Well, well, most churches are just talking about a bunch of garbage, like, <laughs> you know, how to manage your 401k. But the churches that are a step above that or just spend 45 minutes rehashing the same thing every week. And then they call that gospel preaching. Yeah, we should just start with the Enoch one. If you, <laughs> if you want to please God, you need to believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's right. Here's how we seek him. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, last thing before we move on or before we end here is um, I just I loved that um, uh, John Calvin quote. Of basically, like, man, we're all going to have failures. Confess them, and let's move on. He said, thus in all the saints, something reprehensible is ever to be found. Yet faith, though halting and imperfect, is still approved by God. There is therefore no reason why the faults we labor under should break us down or dishearten us, provided we by faith go on in the race of our calling. Now, as we've learned today, leave that up there. As we've learned today, um, before this podcast recording, that some people don't know how to read. Uh, yeah. N- not that that would be anybody at CTL anymore, mm-hmm. but some people don't know how to read. So they just, just we're all going to have a bunch of screw-ups in there. Like We're going to mess up. Like all the people he listed. Yes, like everyone he listed. But you have no reason to let it weigh you down to let it uh, enslave you, provided, which means uh, if you do this. Mm-hmm. So it's the conditional statement. And that is your faith works itself out. And that's the conditional statement. There's no need to get weighed down under your sin and your imperfections, provided that by faith, you go on to run the race. And now now let me be clear. Running that race involves repentance, revolves saying, I'm sorry, fixing whatever you broke, mm-hmm. 
But there's a difference between saying you're sorry and fixing why you're broke and even being sad. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between that package and being weighed down underneath of it. Yeah. Like a boulder on top of you. Yeah, you talked about that yesterday about how there there may be things you need to walk back on that road of repentance. But those are all the things that are wrapped up under Ephesians 2.10. Right. The things that God has called you to do and designed in advance for you to walk in. Right. So. Right. This is not a particular struggle of mine, but I know lots of people in our congregation with this particular struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just always been in my mind, like you're, but you're forgiven. Like, yeah. but you, but you're forgiven. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. It's the double but imputation, you're forgiven. man. It's a double imputation. People can like half accept the fact that they've had their sins forgiven, but the aspect that you have Christ's righteousness and that's how he sees you is that one's a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the double cure uh, mm-hmm. that you hear about. So, yeah. Well, uh, side note, I realized today that uh, this is episode 55, which means we've been doing this for over a year. Wow. So, yeah, our first episode was on September 12th uh, when we changed our name. <laughs> so it's been a year since we did that, which I don't know. Heck, yeah. Time goes fast. I love so, it. Yeah. Uh, so if you are still listening uh, both to this podcast and this particular episode thank you and we hope that the past year has been super helpful because that's right we've enjoyed it but as always we want to continue uh, encouraging you for for another year uh, to go know love and obey Jesus as Lord overall and we'll see you next week see you guys